This morning we're going to do something just a little bit different. With the election uh, just two days away, I want to uh, share a message I hope will help us in this tumultuous political atmosphere. Now, I want you to understand right away here, I'm not going to be telling you how to vote. In fact, I'm not even going to be talking about voting. I'm not going to be talking about politicians. Uh, I'm not going to be talking about political parties. I'm going to be talking about something much more important. But it relates to what's going on. And so let's begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, we live in a tumultuous time, not just here in our country, but in our world. And Father, you know the concerns we have and the struggles we face and the uncertainty that seems to be surrounding us and ahead of us. But Father, we know that you are our rock and that we need to turn our face toward you, no matter what is going on around us. I pray this morning, Father, that as we share this message, that we will be drawn to you. And I ask it in your son's name. Amen. John 16, Jesus said, In the world you will have tribulation. You will have tribulation, but take courage, for I have overcome the world. As we look around the world right now, uh, we are faced on nearly every side by tribulation. Now there are those who uh, self-assuredly pronounce that we are in the end times, that the coming of the Lord is imminent, Perhaps we are. I, for one, am a little reluctant to sound out so self-assuredly. After all, Jesus said, we will not know. Only the Father knows. Still, there is no question that we are in an ever-increasingly dangerous and tumultuous world. The swords of war are rattling Places like China, Israel, Turkey, Palestine, just to name a few. There's no shortage of possibilities in our world today that could draw our country into conflict. And then there's the pandemic, which is growing around the world rather than winding down. It's causing unrest, fear, economic hardship, not only around the world, but right here in our country. And then there is the political and cultural battlefield that we see around us. As we observe the hatred, the anger, the vitriol being spewed out in our country, it's, it's the likes of which I personally have not seen in my lifetime. 
And it ought to drive home the reality that we live in a pivotal time. I think maybe we are living in a time of, of bedrock change. In our country, at least, if not the world. Our children, our grandchildren, probably will never know the kind of life we grew up knowing. The world is changing. Our country is changing. But what I want to address today is this. While all about us might be changing, perhaps even collapsing into chaos, we are still his people. And regardless of what transpires in this world, we can take courage because we belong to the one who has overcome the world. We have a sure hope, no matter what happens. But also, and this is the crux of what we will talk about today, we have a calling. We have a responsibility, and it transcends everything else that's going on. Each month, uh, as you know, I drive to Tulsa for my antique radio club, and as I'm driving down Highway uh, 412, uh, approaching Sand Springs, which is where I get off, a few miles before that, uh, there's a building off to the right, and the whole side of this building is a mural. And this is what it says. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Those words are, take, are taken, of course, from Second Chronicles, I'm sorry, 7.14. And I want us to take a look at this today. Solomon had uh, completed the temple and consecrated that temple to the Lord. And after having done so, the Lord spoke to him, saying that he had chosen this place as a house of sacrifice. And then comes that verse 14, that verse that uh, I saw on the side of the building, that verse that we hear often, uh, there's even a song about it. But we need to put that verse in context. Because as in the words I just quoted you, it is nearly always taken out of context. We always see it quoted as, if my people who are called by my name. But it's not if my people. Rather, the if re refers to what God might do. Need to back up to verse 13. If I shut up the heavens, 
so that there is no rain, or if I command locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, and my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and heal their land. Important truth to understand here. Yes, God can and undoubtedly sometimes does cause things to happen in this world. But no matter what happens in this world, it happens because God allows it. God is the creator. He is the king of the universe. He at any moment, at any time, could put an end to anything that's going on in this world. But he allows it. Why? The, simple, the answer is really pretty simple. Because he gave us free will. He wants us not to be puppets, but to be people who choose to seek him. People who choose to love him. People who choose to worship him. So as Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation. There will be anarchy. There will be destruction. There will be hate. There will be violence. There will be turmoil. There will be chaos. There will be pain. If God allows this, and His people respond by humbling themselves, praying and seeking His face, and turning from their evil ways, he will hear, he will forgive, and he will heal the land. But understand, context, this is not God's expectation of the world. This is not God's expectation for the United States of America. It's the expectation of his people. That's the context. In the face of tribulation, God calls on his people to humble themselves and pray and seek his face and turn from their evil ways. When God spoke that to Solomon, his people were the children of Israel. Today, the church, the body of Christ, is his people. And God has expectations. So let's take a quick look at these four expectations. What does it mean to humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways? Now, if we take these things out of the context that we just talked about and just think about them, we don't really have much trouble with it. But they are, they are in a context, and the context is the tribulation of the world. Just look around us and, and consider what's going on in our world, what's going on in our country, and understand that in the midst of all this, this is God's expectation of his people, that we be humble, 
that we pray, that we seek His face, that we turn from our wicked ways. Let's just focus for a little bit on our country. What do we see? We see chaos. We see anarchy. We see violence. We see hate. We see political turmoil and all the ugly vitriol spewing from opposing political points of view. Oh, and we believe anything and everything that we see on the news or see on Facebook or social media when it lines up with our worst expectation of others. And we demonize anyone and everyone who dares to oppose what we believe is in the right. And we thereby determine for ourselves what God's will is. And we adamantly call upon God to do what we believe he should do to save our nation. Is there evil out there? Is there godless people out there? Is there the possibility that our nation could become corrupted to the point of devolving into destruction? Absolutely. Absolutely. So what are we to do? We, his people, what are we to do? We are to humble ourselves, we're to pray, we're to seek his face, and we're to turn from our wicked ways. Humble ourselves. Hmm. Maybe stop acting like we know what God should do. He's in charge, not us. This is his world, not ours. Why do we think we know how God should move? Can we see his greater plan? Do we not realize God can accomplish his will regardless of what happens in this world? Think for a moment about the words of the Apostle Paul. It's written in Romans 11, 33 and 34. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has become his counselor? In the midst of tribulation, in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the evil, we're told to humble ourselves. We're told to pray. We're called to pray, not for our will, 
for his. In the face of tribulation, we're to pray. We're to pray for inner peace, the peace that passes all understanding, for the assurance, the assuring comfort of his spirit, for his wisdom and a discerning heart. And we're to pray for the hearts of those who do not know him. We're to pray for those people we see the evil in. We're to seek his face. Question. What do you seek each day? And where do you seek it? What do you seek each day? Do you go looking for confirmation of your own feelings? Do you seek dirt on those you disdain? Do you look on social media for people who agree with you? Do you get your take on the day from TV? Do you look for justification in Facebook? Or do you go into your day determined to seek His face? Do you turn instead to His word for wisdom and guidance in your day in the midst of all that's going on? We are to turn from our wicked ways. You've probably heard the saying about how when you point your finger at someone else, you have three pointing back at you. We are so quick to point the finger at others and call out their sins or at least what we have been told are their sins because you know we believe everything we read on Facebook but maybe maybe we are sinning with our own self-righteous accusations and condemnations after all what makes our sin minor compared to theirs or our perception of theirs. Instead of standing in judgment of others, we are called to turn from our sinful ways. God's expectation of his people in the midst of tribulation in the midst of everything we see going on in our world, in our country, God's expectation is for his people to humble themselves, to pray, to seek his face, to turn from our wicked ways. Now, does that mean that we don't care about what's going on in the political world? Does that mean we don't vote? 
Does that mean we don't participate in the system? No, it doesn't. You know, on Tuesday, hopefully we'll all go vote. And we'll vote our conscience. We'll vote what we believe. But don't think for a minute that you have a solid grip on God's will for this country. And don't think for a minute that God has chosen any particular person who's going to save this country. We don't have any saviors in the political field. We are at a pivotal time in our country and not one of us truly knows what the future will bring. But whatever the future brings, the real question for us is this. Will we humble ourselves before God in the midst of all of this? Will we pray to our God for his guidance in our lives as we make our way through whatever the road ahead brings? Will we seek his face regardless of what the world puts us through? And will we turn from our own sinfulness? If we will, he has promised he will forgive our sin. He'll heal our land. But I wonder... Is he going to, if we do that, is he going to heal our country? I don't know. But I know he'll heal me. He'll heal the land that I live in, the life that I have. The call and the promise is to God's people. The question is will we obey? Heavenly Father, indeed we live in a difficult time and we are very challenged. And Father, we care about our country and we, and we want to see good, we want to see the right done. But Father, help us first and foremost to be concerned for being the people you've called us to be, no matter the world we live in. Help us honor you with our lives. Help us demonstrate your love. Help us show others who you truly are, not by, by some vote that we cast, but by the life that we live. Father, we ask it. In your son's holy name. Amen.